I'm Nicholas Bornodius, president of Capital Inc. And uh, I would welcome you all, I would like to welcome you all from New York uh, to today's webinar. Uh, we have launched as Capital Link a series of webinars aimed to raise awareness about Greece on a number of critical developments that are taking place right now in the country. And we're trying to create momentum culminating with our uh, annual, the 22nd annual Capital Link Invest in Greece Forum, which will take place on December 15 and 16. So we have uh, today's webinar is going to focus on the very critical topic of the new landscape of corporate governance in Greece. Uh, corporate governance is a topic of great interest and concern for all international investors. And there has been a significant overhaul of the uh, corporate governance uh, landscape in, in Greece. So I would like to, uh, we have with us a panel of uh, great experts, including the uh, Mrs. Uh, Dr. Vasilikila Zarakou, uh, who is chairing the Greek uh, Capital Markets Commission. And of course, we have, I will let actually Natasha Martsekis, who is going to be the moderator and uh, uh, introduce all the panelists. I would like to thank Natasha for putting this panel together and actually coming up with the idea for this panel. Uh, Natasha is uh, a board a founder and board member of the non-executive uh, director uh, club of Greece. Uh, and uh, she is also, she has a very big involvement with the Greek financial sector. So I will uh, turn it over to Natasha, thank her, introduce the panelists and we go on. And I see we already have very good participation. Thank you, Nicolas. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning to those attending uh, from the US. Um, thank you for taking the time to watch this webinar organized by Capital Link in order to discuss the recently voted new corporate governance law 4706 in Greece and explore also the main challenges and the opportunities for the Greek listed companies. But first, let me introduce our distinguished panelists today by order of their participation, who will be sharing their views on, on our topic. Dr. Vasiliki Lazaraku, the chairwoman of the Capital Markets Commission, needs, uh, needs no real introduction as she has played a very pivotal role in the deep reforms that the new law dictates. Mr. Alexandros Kosmopoulos from Kosmopoulos Law Firm, he will be educating us about the main legal changes that the new law brings for the Greek corporates. We have also the pleasure of having with us Christina Ungureanu, Head of Corporate Governance, ESG and Strategic Activism from uh, Horizon Capital, one of the largest Italian asset managers, who will be sharing with us her perspective about um, how global institutional investors with holdings in the Greek market view the new law. And last but not least, Mr. Alexandros Maglaras, Chief Investment Officer from uh, Triton Asset Management. He will be discussing with us his view for the new law uh, from the view of uh, the local investment point of view. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to moderate the panel. Um, I expect our discussion to last approximately 45 minutes. Then I will open uh, the floor to questions from, from our audience. And now I would like to turn to our uh, keynote speaker, Mrs. Lazaraku, and address her my first question. 
Um, Mrs. Lazarako, what is the framework of the new law of corporate governance uh, as recently voted in July? And which are the major issues that the new law is addressing? Thank you, Natasha. Thank you also. I would like to thank the uh, Capital Link and Mr. Bornozis for the invitation. And uh, because this is, I think, a, a great opportunity for us to discuss something which is really uh, something which modernizes the current framework of corporate governance. So let me take the opportunity and, and discuss a little bit how the new law enhances all the mechanisms of the Greek corporate company, of the Greek companies, and how this changes the capital market framework in respect of this specific issue, the corporate governance. So I have to say that the new board of directors of the Capital Market Commission, which actually is the one that uh, after the proposed this new law to the ministry. Uh, so the, the, new, the new board had set always as a priority the reform of the legislative framework of the capital markets, starting with the one on capital governance of listed companies, which in our view is of major importance, especially further to problems that have occurred in the Greek market uh, the recent years. So we are very satisfied that this specific law uh, which was proposed by us uh, in an attempt, as I said, to modernize the framework, was accepted also so broadly from the Greek parliament. And it was voted, four out of five members voted in favor of the, of the specific uh, law, which shows that the Greek society is ready for a new change because the last law was uh, enacted back in 2002. So I would, like, I would like to highlight that that the proposal of the commission was after a really thorough study of the framework and try, we try to see what in practice was the problem and how, what kind of solutions would suggest in order to amend specific issues and, spe and specific inefficiencies. So for example, the internal audit, we saw that there were uh, inadequacies that mainly concerned the employees working with internal audit control issues. So, so for example, the employees were not uh, full-time, were only part-time. So we try to see each item, which each, let's say, issue that was of concern as far as the audit mechanism of a company is concerned, and we try to see how we can remedy all these issues. So having said that, the, uh, the proposals and the main changes were the following, if I may just go through and see what are the real, the real main changes of the law. So the one was the strengthening of the unit of internal audit, mainly by both increasing the auditor's required professional standards and by enhancing the unit's administrative and operational functions. So internal audit first. Second, we, had a tr we tried to have a more efficient, we tried to propose, and it was further adapted, a more efficient structure of the board of directors of the listed companies with an obligation to adapt a policy for the suitability of the members of the board of directors. This is something very new. It wasn't existing before. So the board of directors of the companies now must adapt a policy concerning the suitability of their own members. And also, there was a new provision in the law regarding the gender for gender equality issue reasons, uh, requiring the boards to have a 25 minimum representation per gender minimum representation of the underrepresented uh, gender, which in our case, of course, is women. And I guess this is in the case in, in the whole uh, universe, but anyway, so that was a new uh, gender law provision. 
Then uh, another issue, another change was the adoption of new criteria which should be met to characterize the members of the board of directors as independent. So in accordance with the, with the recommendation of the European Commission, there was an expansion of the criteria that were go are going to be used in order to characterize members as, as uh, independent. And this is very important because at the same time, there was a, a real attempt to enhance the role of the independent members because we all understand how important the role is uh, in a company. Also, there was a requirement for the internal organization, for the internal regulation to describe better the functions and policies of the companies, emphasizing on the, on the procedures that shall be followed in order to fully cover the need for transparency and minority shareholders' rights. There was also an obligation uh, to, add, to establish either two or one committee for both issues, which were these, committee for remuneration and committee for nomination. It can be also one committee for cost purposes. So the set committees operate based on a strict regulation uh, that should be published and consists of non-executive members of the board of directors, the majority of which are independent again. And plus, there was another change regarding the funds, the obligation to give reporting as far as the funds raised through the market so the law expands the obligations of providing information to bond loans as well, because we have seen that a lot of bond loans are being uh, issued the last years in Greece. So uh, that, let's say, if I may say, these were the main changes that, well, that we all try to see how we can further, let's say, try to change the, the legal landscape in order to have a safer environment as far as corporate governance is concerned. Thank you, Mrs. Lazaraku. It's very clear, uh, indeed, uh, the vital role that the new law is uh, playing in Greece's capital markets uh, modernization. And um, I will be using your, uh, your introduction um, following uh, with uh, a question to Mr. Kosmopoulos. Um, Mr. Kosmopoulos, admittedly, the, the new law, as Mrs. Lazaraku mentioned, brings a lot of uh, changes. Could you please walk us through, more specifically, the changes regarding the BOD criteria and the BOD composition criteria, and also the new role of uh, the non-executive directors. Thank you. Well, th thank you very much, Ms. Marsakis, for the introduction, and many thanks to Capital Link for their kind invitation. It is definitely a great privilege to be among such distinguished panelists. I, I would like to very briefly share uh, uh, a quick presentation to assist with the delivery. Uh, I hope you can see it now on your screens. Thank you, we can, yes. Okay, uh, the time is very limited, so it is not possible to go all that through all that content in detail. Um, as you mentioned, the new law, the new Greek corporate governance law was enacted in July 2020. This is 20 years following its predecessor law, and the experience has been disappointing. Uh, now, Considering how deep the disappointment has been, uh, the, the reforms needed to be uh, extensive, comprehensive and, uh, comprehensive and ambitious. And this is what the law does, in my opinion. In order to achieve that, the law builds on a, on a set of uh, precedents, established precedents from international best practices, also the experience of regulation of financial institution, and uh, signals a, a significant shift uh, in its approach from formalistic tick the boxes, tick the box requirements 
to matters of substance. This is underpinned by a number of factors, including the requirement for the different components to uh, interact, uh, including the policies and procedures and the organizational components. Uh, the requirement for periodic review, self-assessment and external validation of policies and procedures, as well as requirements for enhanced transparency, disclosure, and obviously sanctions. Sanctions is, a, I think it's a thorny issue. It has been criticized as potentially, um, as sanctions have been criticized as potentially being draconian, but I think they emphasize the commitment of the regulator to uh, getting things done. Uh, Companies have one full year to comply until July 2020. This is obviously sufficient time. And I think the fact that the commission has already been active in issuing, implementing regulations and guidance is again a signal that timely implementation will be required. If we move on to the board of directors, the key highlights are obviously, as Ms. Lazaraco mentioned, the suitability requirements. Suitability operates at two different levels, both individual and collective. And this again follows the precedent of regulated institutions and the joint recommendations of uh, EBA-ESMA on, on collective suitability. Individual directors must be fit and proper to discharge their duties properly. They must possess the skills, the knowledge, the professional assurance, the <coughs> assurances of professional integrity and independent judgment. Um, the board taken as a whole must be adapted to the specific set of risks, the nature of the activities of the company, and the challenges that it faces. All in all, the directors need to interact on a more active basis and promote constructive dialogue and even debate in the interest of, in the long-term interest of shareholders. One uh, very helpful introduction, in my opinion, is the delineation, the clear delineation of the duties of executive directors and non-executive directors. And in particular, the introduction of the duty of non-executive directors to constantly monitor the implementation of the executive power of the executive of the executive strategy. So therefore there is no room for passive bystanders, passive bystanders. All members of the board must bring together the skills on the table. They must also act as a balance uh, of, uh, of the, the others' responsibilities and functions. Uh, Ms. Lazarak also discussed diversity and non-discrimination, as well as the introduction of the uh, minimum 25% uh, female representation quota. The law introduces now expressly a requirement for the chairperson to be a non-executive director. By way of fallback, if the chairman is an executive director, the board must appoint a deputy a chairperson. Uh, at least one third of the board must be comprised of independent directors. And independent directors now have uh, both enhanced independence and uh, a new role. Enhanced independence, as Ms. Lazarako again mentioned, comes from the definition of independence as a broader concept. It is now up to the responsibility of the board to both assess independence and review it on a periodic basis, at least annually. Uh, in addition, the exclusion criteria for independent directors is not, are no longer, no longer an exhaustive list. It is an indicative, quite thorough list that goes back as many as three years prior to the uh, to the initial nomination and even excludes uh, independent directors if they have completed a tenure of nine years in such capacity. Independent directors now have a, a more pronounced in, uh, involvement in the operation of the board. Uh, the law introduces a special quorum in respect of certain key decisions of the board of directors 
and at least two independent board members must be present whenever the board decides on financial statements or the, the adoption of recommendations to the board of directors that require enhanced majority at the shareholder level. In addition, independent members staff the majority of the committees and they are also required to file their own reports to the general meeting side by side those of the board taken as a whole. This was a faculty in the old regime and now it is a mandatory duty of the independent members. Uh, Natasha, I don't know if we have uh, a couple of minutes just to go very quickly through the policies and procedures perhaps. Yes, please, uh, just two more minutes on the policies. That would be okay. great, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The, the law introduces uh, a comprehensive internal audit uh, environment that is a combination of policies and procedures on the one hand and organizational components on the other. Policies and procedures include the corporate governance policy that is an overarching set of key principles, including those relating to internal audit, risk management, regulatory compliance and conflicts, and also the internal audit system, it, that is a concept borrowed from, uh, from, bank, from successful president, the successful president of banks. It is a comprehensive set of internal audit mechanisms designed to promote the efficient and safe operation of the company. The operating regulation is retained, but it is enhanced both in terms of its scope, as well as the inclusion of periodic review procedures by external experts in respect of the internal audit system. And last but not least, companies are now required to adopt and implement a recognized corporate governance code. There are also, uh, to complement that, there are also organizational components. Uh, we can perhaps speak very briefly about these uh, if time permits. Uh, the, I think the, the key introduction, and Ms. Lazaraco emphasized that, is with the internal audit unit. It is now promoted to a unit. It needs to be adequately staffed. It needs to be staffed by professionals possessing uh, the, the, the appropriate qualifications and enhanced independence. And they are also required to request resources from the audit through the audit committee to allow them to actually implement their audit plan. Last but not least, the head of the unit acts as liaison between the corporation and the Hellenic Capital Markets Commission. I think all these, uh, all these enhancements taken as a whole signal a strong shift in the, in the right direction. These reforms have been long overdue and I think they operate to raise the minimum standard because ultimately the market will be judged not by the performance of the handful of few companies that are already exceeding those standards, but rather by the average or even the underperformers. Thank you. Thank you, Alexandros. It is um, evident from these requirements, um, obviously the focus on the stricter criteria for the BOD members and also the fact that the new law practically empowers the participation of uh, the non-executive directors. Now, turning to Christina. Christina, um, welcome. Best corporate governance uh, practices for listed companies um, are very closely followed now by global investors. Uh, having you on this panel, I'm, I'm quite curious to understand how do you as global investors uh, approach these best practices and how do you incorporate them in your investment process, especially with the uh, phenomenal growth of the ESG funds recently? Mm -hmm. Thank you, uh, Natasha. Thank you uh, for, for the invitation. Uh, this is extremely exciting uh, times for, for Greece. Uh, so also for us investors that look uh, towards uh, Greece uh, um, evolving corporate governance. 
principles and laws in this case. I think um, everything that has been mentioned is extremely interesting. I mean, the attention to the board, to policies and procedures, it's all aligning to global best practices. And this will certainly uh, open up a lot of dialogue and curiosity from, from uh, global investors uh, wanting to, to understand how companies will implement all, all these uh, requirements. So um, linking that to uh, the fact that many global investors, if not most global investors, are becoming ever more active. Um, they uh, approach a, a policy, we call it active ownership. So we are not uh, only shareholders, but we are really active owners of companies. Uh, so um, importantly, um, the activity of stewardship, we call it stewardship, which means monitoring companies, engaging, so speaking with companies, and voting at uh, general meetings has become extremely important for, for global investors. Um, as far as we are concerned, indeed, as you say, Natasha, while uh, global investors, also us, put a lot of effort in, in developing specific ESG products, and I will speak a little bit more about that later, we also um, evolve our activity of so-called active ownership, so stewardship, becoming ever more incisive uh, in expressing ourselves through the dialogue we have with, with, with companies and through, through the voting process. And the main objectives are um, having certainly such an active approach, uh, integrating ESG factors into investment decisions. And uh, in this way, we obviously uh, are able to maximize returns for our clients, our asset owners. Um, in our case, as many other global investors, uh, we adopted uh, the, uh, the, the Italian in our case, because we are the one of the largest Italian asset managers. Uh, we adopted the Italian stewardship principles, uh, which mean um, we are uh, promoting active investment through, through the processes that I've mentioned. Uh, we also signed up to the PRI principles as many large uh, global investors, which are the principles for responsible investment, which also look to, uh, to, towards uh, improving the governance as well, of, uh, as well as sustainability of the issuer companies uh, through integrating ESG uh, principles into the investment process and strategy. Uh, in our case, as, as many large investors, we have, a we have set a specific structure which looks after um, active investment or stewardship um, and which overlooks uh, the ESG engagement and voting activity. So very focused activity on the side of the investors. We will certainly look uh, towards um, Greek companies ever more after the implementation of this law. What is relevant for us um, is that um, it is increasingly uh, the our approach. It is increasing, increasingly inclusive. So this team, which I'm responsible for, active investment, is positioned within the overall investment department, which means that we are, um, which we are collaborating with the portfolio manager and analysts. So the ones who make the investment decisions. 
in order to ensure an effective uh, outcome of, of our ESG integration within the investment process. Um, apart from this active investment team, as I mentioned, and as you, as you highlighted, it's the importance of ESG-specific funds. So we also have uh, a specific team uh, that is only investing in ESG or SRI funds. Um, and the name speaks for itself. It's called Long-Term Sustainable Strategy Team. Um, and uh, this team integrates the traditional financial analysis with certain metrics related to environment and social and governance um, that our own proprietary system considers the most important aspects in terms of materiality, which is another important concept. Um, so this team has built, has developed several ESG specific uh, products. Um, however, the integration of the ESG factors within the whole investment strategy is for us uh, happening for all active funds, all active funds. So basically in 2017, uh, we officially changed the investment process in order to uh, accommodate this ESG integration into the entire investment process through various strategies. And one of the main one is uh, the active investment that I, that I was mentioning. Um, therefore, active ownership and sustainability, I would say it permits all areas of business. It, it is like an active ownership spirit an ESG integration spirit. They are not just nice things to have, but a, a real driver for, for the way uh, we actually invest and the way we do business. Uh, certainly, um, as, as regards our stewardship activity, it's important also to say how do we uh, interact with companies, and I will speak more maybe about engagement, but um, we have to have well-defined criteria. We invest in thousands of companies, and we cannot be active on every company. Therefore, um, we, uh, we have well-defined criteria for this active investment approach. Uh, and that means engagement and shareholder meeting participation, uh, where we apply a so-called proportionality principle, which is actually a principle that is required also by the recent shareholder rights directive, the European directive that I'm sure the audience know about, uh, which means that you have to focus on your relevant issuer that, uh, that will have a material impact on your investment decision as well. Uh, in our case, uh, we defined um, specific criteria relating to um, meeting certain numerical holding thresholds. So where we have important exposure to, to companies, where we have an important position in companies, certainly we will monitor and we will engage with these companies. Uh, we have situations where we want to support minority shareholder rights. So uh, a very good uh, example is uh, board elections. Um, uh, we want the best board members to represent shareholders and not just uh, the majority shareholder, but also the so-called minority shareholders. Um, we, we also focus on companies with situations where, uh, where uh, there are ESG relevant concerns or maybe ESG relevant opportunities. Um, and we also intervene at companies uh, that um, have been uh, holding extraordinary transactions um, that are relevant for, for our investment team. So uh, therefore our approach has been oriented towards rather a very focused 
um, analysis of governance and ESG issues of companies, um, a, very often also uh, voting on a case-by-case -case approach, engaging, analyzing companies very thoroughly in order to ensure um, meeting uh, participation at companies and engagement with companies that are relevant for our portfolio in line with uh, with our long-term investment strategy. So long-term is another important concept when um, having such an active investment approach. Certainly uh, the G in the ESG, so the governance, everything that has, has been um, in the eyes of also uh, uh, Greek um, uh, authorities, but uh, I would say globally, especially in Europe now, there is also consultation on sustainable governance going on. So there is a lot of attention, uh, certainly to governance. Um, e and S are also important, but I would say uh, governance is the driver of the whole approach to, 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 to ESG and sustainability to a long-term value creation result. Thanks. Thank you, Christina. That was um, a very interesting approach of how you look at companies on a, on a global scale, um, introducing also the corporate governance uh, principles. And now I would like to hear the local view from uh, Mr. Maglaras. Uh, who as a local institutional investor participates actively in the Greek market with uh, Greek holdings. So Mr. Maglas, what would be your view for the new law as voted recently and described by Mrs. Lazarako and Mr. Kosmopoulos? Thank you. Good evening to all our viewers. Thank you, Natasha, for your question and for organizing today's discussion with such an interesting topic. A big thanks to Capital Link as well for their kind invitation and their initiative to raise the profile of Greece as a business and investment destination. I would also would like to share one or two screens. So uh, the new law of corporate governance implemented by the EU, uh, implemented the EU directive as regards the encouragement of long-term shareholder engagement. Uh, we, as long-term investors, are fully supported to these initiatives. Uh, corporate governance is uh, a key issue when we engage and open dialogue with companies or exercise our voting rights. And we are looking very carefully in the roles and the responsibilities of board of directors. Uh, could be the balance between execs and non-execs, fit and proper, the diversity, uh, to name a few. So the new line, the, the, the new law uh, came and aligns uh, the local regulatory framework with the long-term investors' expectations. And we believe that it will play a significant role uh, towards strengthening the domestic capital market. Um, we believe that companies that are governed well perform better over the long term, and thus our interest is to advocate for governance behavior. Uh, we also believe that uh, we have a fiduciary duty to maximize risk-adjusted returns on investment for our clients and shareholders. 
while also uh, acknowledging that uh, it is possible to do good and be good at the same time. We believe that we can increase alpha generation and avoid unacceptable risks. So society benefits when companies are well run and asset owners take their responsibility seriously. Voting is an important tool to secure governance and ensures that asset owners are able, as Christina very well put, to make the boards accountable and guarantee long-term value creation. Now, uh, as a responsible investor, I mean, we are local investors, but we are also responsible, as Christina mentioned, and uh, there are at least, I think, five PRI signatories uh, from Greece uh, currently. So, uh, we also have uh, a job uh, which is based on three pillars. Uh, we are trying to help improve standards of corporate governance, exercise on ownership rights responsibly, and monitoring and managing risks for our investments. While being active owners, we believe that shareholders in publicly listed companies are best served by delegating managerial issues to the company. Attempts by single shareholders to micromanage a dispersed ownership company are likely to frustrate and undermine management, disturb strategy processes, and blur lines of responsibility. So the better option for shareholders is to retreat from detailed involvement in corporate decision-making and hold the board accountable for its actions and outcomes. Having said that, uh, we would like to emphasize, as Christina very well put again, uh, that there is no ESG without the G. And uh, there will be no ESG in the broader market of Greece uh, without the relevant law. Uh, now, without the governance, uh, you cannot achieve uh, ENS, okay? Uh, you can only have very, very poor results. So please allow me to share a fact from our company as well. I mean, in the proprietary Triton ESG factor breakdown, we weight G to be above 50% currently in our ESG committee. So the point we want to demonstrate with this slide is that boards should ensure that companies have clear policies and integrate uh, relevant measures into strategy, risk management, and reporting in order to address all long-term risks presented here. Investors and other stakeholders may press with their own toolkit for equal treatment of shareholders and board accountability, but the board itself should do all the rest. That is why this reform lies as a cornerstone for all active ownership focus areas. So I could say we're excited uh, about this important development for our market. Thank you, Alexandros. Um, that was a very interesting uh, view for, for, for the local market from a local point of view. Um, and now I would like to come back to Mrs. Lazaraku um, and ask her, actually, apart from the law, what further amendments do you think are necessary in order to ensure a successful implementation of the new law? And could you please briefly describe the enhanced role of the Capital Markets Commission in this process? Thank you. Can you please open your mic? Thank you. 
First of all, let me start by saying that I'm very pleased with all the positive remarks I got in this law. So we were in a good, uh, we have, uh, let's say, started uh, in a positive mood. So uh, let me say that, uh, as Mr. Kosmoglu said, we have one year for the, uh, for becoming, the deadline is one year for the provisions regarding corporate governance to become in force. So there is one year of preparation for the listed companies in order to get acquainted for, for, with all this new framework and in order to get ready and prepare the policies and everything. So what the commission has to do in order to assist them to be prepared is to issue regulatory decisions. We have already issued two regulatory decisions. The one was in uh, regarding the sanctions and uh, the way these uh, sanctions will be assessed and computed. So that was already issued uh, at the end of September after consultation with the market participants, plus another one regarding the evaluation of the system of internal control and all details relating to this system, because we have a new concept in this law, which is the uh, system of internal control that is very important. And actually, there's an, another innovation, let's say, of this law is that we have there was a, an adoption to have a, an obligation per two years, after every two years, have a, an assessment of, uh, of, an of an external consultant of the system of internal control. <laughs> so yes, these, these are two things, two decisions, two regulatory decisions that have already been issued by the commission in order to provide guidelines to the listed companies and help them get, get, get prepared. And also we have issued, I'm sorry, we have issued guidelines regarding uh, the policy of suitability that the listed companies have to adapt uh, in order to uh, decide, in order to, let's say, select the board members. The aim was, of course, to ensure that we will eliminate any kind of ambiguities uh, that could exist and in order to help, let's say, create a safer environment for the listed companies. There are more decisions that uh, uh, could be uh, issued by us, but the major, these were the major three decisions, and that was, in an attempt from, from the regulator, from us, uh, to make sure that we provide as much as, may, as, as many guidelines as possible to all listed companies. Now, um, having said that, it is very important that they are all prepared because after this one year deadline, the supervise, of course, the supervision will start immediately from July 2020 to uh, 21. So after that, we will be there to uh, impose actions if necessary, if we see that there are bridges and everything. So uh, we are prone, we are here, we are helping, we are assisting, we are trying to uh, help everybody in order to understand how important corporate governance for the companies, because it also uh, helps the companies, uh, let's say, helps the value of the companies, primarily benefit the, the companies themselves. And we don't want them to, to feel that they have to comply with the regulations because after that the commission will come and post fines we want them to understand that it is very important for them to adapt and 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 realize how important for the market growth is to have real governance governance rules because as uh christina and alexandros also said these we, we don't have eag without governance no no investor will go and invest in a company if they don't really if they are not assured that the company has real governance and they can be uh, they can they can really operate in a smooth and efficient way so this is these are all the actions that the commission is trying to do in, within this one year 
And I think these are the major things. And thank you, I thank you, Alexios Kosmopoulos, for having such a, a detailed analysis of the law because I don't have to go into details because I was thinking that there were two things that I didn't really uh, an, you know, uh, analyze a lot. For example, the uh, adoption of the recognized corporate governance code because this is also something that the companies will have to get prepared. So uh, we are, I'm happy to answer any questions regarding all the actions that the listed companies will have to have, will have to get through within this year. Thank you for, for that uh, very interesting point. Um, and now back to you, Mr. Kosmopoulos. Um, having uh, listened, Mrs. Lazarako, um, regarding the, the law amendments and beyond the law, the law amendments, what would you view as really necessary elements that they are required for the law to succeed in practice? Well, thank you, Natasha. I, I think uh, Ms. Lazarako pretty much alluded to each of these steps, but if I just may just rephrase them, I think uh, in the short term, what we would expect is uh, an enhanced quality of enforcement, because in the past we had an insufficient law with insufficient enforcement on the part of the regulator. It, this, it is sad, but true. Uh, so we are looking forward to a commission having the commission having a more active role, a more proactive law, role. Uh, it is hoped that the commission will have appropriate resources to make sure that uh, the principles of the law, the law are actually observed. Uh, the fear of sanctions is not the proper uh, the proper incentive to comply. So this is why this is the short term approach. In the medium term approach, the company should actually realize that complying with these standards, as I think all of the speakers have said, results in benefits, results in benefits in the form of uh, more varied sources of capital, access to ca capital at a lower cost, and which means that the companies can actually expect to grow uh, through, these, uh, through the, the investment in compliance. And obviously in the long run, the ultimate objective is to establish, uh, to establish a culture both at the level of the individual companies, because policies and procedures are nothing if the if the the, the, the policy if the, the philosophy does not permeate every aspect of the companies uh, of, of the company's activities, and at the level of the market taken as a whole. Because again, I believe strongly that in the eyes of the international investors, the market will be judged by the average or the underperforming uh, companies. The the, the higher highest performing companies already have access to a varied source of capital and lower cost of funds. Thank you, Alexandros. Uh, very insightful comments uh, um, on, on my point about um, what need, is needed in practice to succeed. Now, turning back to Christina, and um, I would like to further elaborate, Christina, on the issue of um, shareholder engagement in terms of the governance principle. So how do you discuss with the companies that you do have in your portfolios the issues of corporate governance? And how do you actively engage with them in order to embrace these best practices of corporate governance? Can you please open your mic? Thank you. 
Indeed. Uh, yeah, indeed, Natasha, this is uh, engagement is an extremely important activity and certainly you will expect uh, many large investors now to, to speak to, 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 to Greek companies. Um, this activity certainly has a strong uh, governance and sustainability focus. However, uh, the, the engagement activity is not limited to just ESG issues. Um, there are broader discussions uh, with companies on uh, company strategic directions, capital allocation, uh, the future direction of company, all in any way fall under the governance sphere because governance is ultimately responsible for, for, for these topics as well. Um, what is important to say, especially in Europe, the recent evolution of, of corporate governance codes, because uh, many countries have updated, including Italy, UK, and other uh, Germany, um, fr France, have also updated the corporate governance codes, um, some uh, related to, to certain corporate governance laws, um, um, as in Greece um, happened uh, now um, with the law, but obviously it will be interesting to see also the implication with the corporate governance code. Um, so these recent evolution in corporate governance in several jurisdictions have been Point of, point of reference for us, for our engagement approach uh, with issuer companies, uh, also on more innovative issues, um, such as certainly board independence is an important aspect and is, we are very pleased to see all the developments uh, in your jurisdictions, but the overall independence of the decision-making process. So looking um, beyond uh, just the board independence, but the whole procedures and processes related party transactions, several other aspects that require independence in decision-making. Uh, certainly the, the diversity policies are, um, are aspects that uh, have been including recently in many corporate governance codes across Europe especially. Uh, consideration of wider stakeholders within companies' long-term strategies, um, the role of sustainability uh, in the business and the governance framework overall. For example, uh, we have expanded our approach to, to account for how boards are overseeing ESG-related issues. So their role in uh, evolving sustainability in the companies. How companies, for example, are incentivizing executives through uh, remuneration plans uh, in order to fulfill uh, ESG-related targets. Uh, certainly board composition, board effectiveness and remuneration are still among the, the main topics that we, we discuss with companies, but also these innovative approaches that relate to, to, to board functioning role and executive policies looking certainly long-term. It is very important when we um, talk about engagement and we set up engagement activities, it's very important to establish an objective of the engagement, uh, such as um, clarifying certain aspects related to strategy, uh, to a specific uh, corporate action, uh, to certainly to ESG related concerns, uh, or to, uh, to, to, to clarify certain items on the shareholder meeting agenda. So before speaking to companies, very clearly having an objective. Um, and linked to that, interlocutors at the other um, end, so at the, on the side of the companies are very important. Um, whom are we talking to? Uh, and this depends a lot on the objective of the engagement. We speak to, to various representatives of companies from IR to sustainability uh, officers, uh, to CFO, CEO, up to board members. 
and um, more specifically board committee members. For example, if we talk about sustainability issues, we may talk uh, uh, to um, the, the um, the risk committee members, specifically to the chairperson, or if there is a sustainability committee to the chair of the sustainability committee, remuneration to the remuneration committee, um, more and more we speak up to, 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 uh, to, to the board level. One of the main aim of I would say any global investor um, um, of the engagement activity is to build a constructive relationship with, with the invested company to make them thrive um, in comparison with their peers um, and deliver returns, um, concrete returns. So active ownership, um, engage, the engagement activity, being an active owner is about helping shaping, shape corporate behavior, not just simply having a chat, a dialogue. Um, this is very important. Certainly stakeholder governance, as you mentioned, Natasha, is becoming increasingly important as well, specifically now uh, during this period, but stakeholders overall, not just shareholders, are, are increasingly holding companies to, to a higher social standard, demanding a real commitment to, to responding to uh, issues like health, uh, diversity, human capital, inequality, social impact. Uh, um, so apart from shareholders, employees, customers, suppliers, society at large are very important pillars in creating long-term value for corporations. So also for us as, as active owners, uh, the, the, the company's own stakeholder engagement, so companies' engagement with their own stakeholders, such as employees and the other categories I've mentioned, is another very important metric also for us uh, in, in measuring uh, the overall behavior and performance of companies. And we, 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 we have been included um, very more, mostly recently in the last, I would say, year or two, and I would assume it will be very important for companies uh, in the year to come to have this stakeholder engagement as well, to for companies to understand what every category of stakeholder um, expects for the companies, how company uh, works on behalf, uh, on the benefit for every stakeholder category. Thank you, Thank Christina. You. That was um, a very interesting um, insight. Um, and coming back to Mr. Maglaras, um, from your close interaction with the Greek um, corporates and having in mind the new corporate governance law, what do you think will be the main challenges for the listed companies to comply when they are trying to comply and create superior shareholder returns um, under the new corporate governance regime. Thank you. Natasha, thank you for the question. The truth is that uh, all listed companies need to take a long and hard look at their governance uh, mechanisms as the regulator strives to improve foreign direct investment in Greece. This may result in board reshuffles and certainly the appointment of truly independent non-executive directors who will also be willing and able to go through a rigorous fit and proper process. Let me share again one or two keynotes. So, regarding the Greek corporate companies. Uh, currently, 
they face simultaneously the pandemic slowdown, the accelerated digital transformation, cybersecurity threats, risk management, and sustainability challenges. During the 12-month period, ending on July 2020, companies should embrace the opportunity offered by the regulator and use proposed best practices and policies to provide sustainable and optimal answers to all the above difficulties, challenges, or opportunities. Uh, we believe that size matters, uh, and M&A could lead to larger corporates, which is also needed in the EU next generation package absorption ability of the country. Uh, we also like to note that government assets, uh, listed uh, state companies, uh, could lead by example, if possible, in this area. Family-owned and traditional companies should disrupt themselves with diversity, both gender and background, uh, independency, transparency, and follow this paradigm shift. Under the latest developments of ESG flows of capital, as uh, mentioned, companies should either comply with the law, as Alexandros mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, uh, or, I mean, they, they should integrate re relevant measures uh, into strategy, do the risk management and reporting, or go private. Uh, since they will get banned uh, by either exclusion or norms-based uh, ESG filters that we asset managers use uh, in our daily life. Uh, in order to optimize the board accountability, as uh, asset managers, we would like to give you one or two details more uh, regarding the quality. We believe that members at listed companies should not serve on more than five boards at one time, so they can devote sufficient time to fulfill their responsibility effectively. Uh, a chairperson of a leading company should generally not chair the board of another company. Additionally, the company should disclose individual attendance rates and explain absences. And the company should also disclose individual uh, and all uh, external assignments. Now, an important milestone uh, for the Greek uh, corporate companies uh, would be the appropriate corporate disclosure in line with the relevant standards and according to the ESG reporting guide published by Hellenic Exchanges on November 2019. It was late, but now we have it. Greek companies should also protect shareholder rights in equity issues, avoid multiple share classes, and stick to one share, one vote principle, and implement value creating for the company CEO remuneration policy and manage conflict of interest with related party transactions, which is quite important as well. Now, uh, finally, Greek corporate boards should understand that the broader environmental and social consequences of business operation and manage relevant risks and opportunities. Economic activity can impose substantial indirect costs on other companies and society as a whole. So local corporates face global challenges as well. Climate change, water management, human and children rights, corporate tax transparency, 
corruption and ocean sustainability. Closing, I would like to remind that the regulator offers with this law tested best practices and policies to help companies evolve and become more competitive and sustainable. So let's do this thing. Thank you, Alexandros. This was a very, very interesting um, um, you know, set of points for, for the Greek challenges and the Greek uh, companies. Um, before we take the questions from the audience, um, I would like to ask uh, Christina one more question. Um, Greece has recently introduced, as Mrs. Lazarako explained, a 25% quota on uh, gender diversity on boards, Christina. Um, several studies show that uh, investment managers like yourselves tend to ignore gender diversity when you make investment decisions. So is gender diversity on boards, according to your view, tied to superior stock performance? And um, could you give us any examples that would be, I think, greatly um, appreciated by our audience and the panelists? Thank you. Thank you, Natasha. Uh, gender diversity, um, obviously, has, has been in the last years, I would say decade uh, for some countries in Europe, a very important topic also for investors. And uh, there are very um, different views on quotas and, and applying quotas. I would start with um, in my view on the link to performance. Of course, there are various studies uh, which show the link uh, between um, gender diversity and company performance. Um, and some studies are may, maybe uh, show net, net, neutrality um, in this relationship. According to me, uh, the drive for gender diversity within organization is not simply satisfying a sense of social justice. And I think most investors start looking at that. It's not only a social, uh, a matter of social justice, which is an important aspect, but it's actually a business case. Um, this is based on several concrete examples and studies that demonstrate that organizations perform better when there is diversity at the le uh, leadership level. Uh, it's important to say uh, also as women, um, uh, uh, women are not placed just to fill quotas. Uh, gender balance uh, on boards uh, and in senior management as well. So we are not talking about boards, but it's important to, to enhance that also for, for senior executives um, has been found to encourage better governance practices, um, which is associated also with increased innovation, competitiveness, sustainable growth, um, and overall a more prosperous society. So gender diversity is important uh, in its concept. The issue of diversity uh, also, also for driving board efficiency is not just linked to gender as also Alexandro mentioned. It is also uh, concerning age, professional and educational background, uh, geographical um, provenance uh, of, of the board members. So investors like us look at the overall diversity within the board. It's clear that a more diverse uh, management and supervisory boards uh, can help improve decision-making regarding strategies and risk-taking uh, by incorporating a broader range of views and opinions and uh, limiting the potential for 
for the so-called group thing. No, uh, this is very clear to, to, to most investors. Uh, how we see it uh, from an investor perspective, indeed, uh, there are some studies, as you mentioned, that may show that um, investors are still not 100% um, focused. And certainly there is uh, still a way before uh, diversity becomes fully entrenched also in the investment industry, because it's important that we practice what we preach. Now, also the asset management will need to align that. And in Arizona, actually, we have adopted several policies. We, we have very high level of, of women uh, represented in, in management and uh, also on board. Um, but what I wanted to, uh, to, to enhance is again, looking from an active perspective approach, from a stewardship approach. I think that diversity has become an important theme an important theme also in active investment. For us, board gender diversity is uh, provides a signal of good governance, a signal of, of good management quality. Uh, whereas uh, gender diversity, you, you, you know that there are policies in place to uh, enhance a, hum a respect for human capital. So it's, it's a signal, it's a sign for good corporate governance. Um, so we, we also believe that diversity is not certainly is not a checkbox. It's not a box to be checked, but it's a strategy for, for, for economic success based on what I've mentioned before. It's a business uh, case, I would say. Um, certainly it, it's a, it will address um, a cultural change uh, in capital markets and it's still uh, to be, um, it's, a, it's a change in a cultural mindset. It's a change of mindset and it will still need to happen. Uh, it has happened um, a lot in many countries. There is a lot to do still and certainly Greece uh, maybe more at the beginnings uh, with respect to, to other jurisdictions. As an example, I would, I would like to give um, not a company, um, but Italy actually, where I've been based in the last years and where I think um, quotas have brought an important, um, an important increase in performance of companies. And there have been studies in this respect, but it could be a very interesting example also for Greece and for, for, for other jurisdictions as well. Uh, just to briefly say, because I think it's extremely interesting, um, so apart from other countries such as Norway, for example, it was the first country to instill a quota in already in 2003, but Italy, um, put a law, uh, a gender quota legislation for companies, listed companies, um, and um, which was effected already in 2011. Uh, actually, at the time, the law required uh, the less represented uh, gender to hold um, at least one third of board of directors and also board of statutory auditors because this is uh, our traditional uh, governance structures. So one third would, should have been um, represented by the least, uh, um, the least position gender. Um, the requirement uh, for the first, first term, because in Italy we renew the board every three years, for the first term was one fifth. Um, after the first term, it should have been, as I mentioned, one third. Uh, the quota applied uh, only at the time it was set to apply for just the first three consecutive board terms, which means for nine years for each company's uh, renewing their board uh, members, after which it should have expired. Um, we, in Italy, it, uh, achievement has been uh, um, 
reached uh, very important achievements. But in January 2019, the quota legislation was actually extended even further uh, to, to, to have 40% less represented gender on the board. Um, however, uh, if even before this, uh, the very last extension in 2019, Italy has reached very important thresholds, as I mentioned. Um, and this law, I would say it succeeded in increasing significantly the proportion of women on boards. Uh, the proportion actually in Italy uh, after uh, initially before the law in 2011, the proportion of women on board was among the lowest in Europe, which is around six, uh, in Italy was around 6%. Today, uh, it reached um, 40%. So um, actually in the last four years, uh, the, present, the representation of women on board increased from 33% four years ago to 40% today, uh, the average I would say which is above Europe average. Um, this is of course, the, the, the largest companies are, are more inclined to, to, to appoint women on board, but it, it is an immense step forward. Um, and which actually, this is important what I mentioned, it also stimulates an increase in women in executive position, not just on board position. Currently Italy um, is um, ranks in the fifth place in the world um, holding having 33% as female CEOs, um, which was uh, a decade ago, unthinkable. Now it's, it's, it's reached uh, very important levels. Of course, as I mentioned, quotas are not just to, 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 to put women on board, but to make companies more successful and more competitive, having a competitive edge, certainly um, in front of, of global investors, which more and more demand uh, this diversity. Thank you, Christina. This was um, actually a revealing uh, uh, thesis about Italy's progress. I'm sure we have a lot of uh, catch up to play there. Um, thank you very much. Um, thank you. Before I open the floor to questions from the audience, I would like please each panelist to make a 30 seconds closing remark as uh, time is uh, pressuring us. Thank you very much. Mrs. Lazarapu, um, you can take the floor. Mr. Kosmopoulos, Christina, and then Mrs. Maglaras. Thank you. I want to close by saying that what is most important in my view regarding this new law is to have a change in the, is to have a change in the mentality, is to try to make all market participants realize how important that an optimal corporate governance environment primarily benefits the company themselves. How? By doing two things. First, by forcing them to adapt policies that would then assist them in operating more efficiently. And second, by rendering them more attractive and competitive for the investors. So we do hope that uh, the new framework will be the basis for further strengthening the Greek capital markets. Thank you, Mrs. Lazarakou. Mr. Kosmopoulos, please. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I fully, I fully agree with uh, with Vasiliki, and I, I think the, the the law is in is definitely in the in the right direction. Uh, companies must now work hard to comply, and I think in order to achieve the long term objective of uh, a solid uh, compliance driven culture, uh, companies can uh, very simply look at their peers because we already have handful of companies that are excelling in that. They are committing themselves voluntarily to standards that exceed the standards of the law 
they're exposing themselves to increased scrutiny and periodic review of their policies and procedures, and they engage in more transparency. So these are definitely the leaders. They are leading by example. And I think it is good for the, for, for the rest of the group to see how much has been achieved by those leading entities, because this is essentially uh, the type of benefits they will have access to by adapting to the new, uh, to the new paradigm. Thank you. Thank you, Alexandra. And um, Christina, please, if you can share us your 30 minutes, 30 seconds, sorry, view. Thank you. Yes. Yes, um, it was extremely interesting. I, I mean, this law, I see corporate governance not as an obligation. Maybe the word obligation uh, has been mentioned uh, quite often today. Certainly it's a law, it's, an, uh, it's a norm. Uh, but um, corporate governance should be seen as a best practice, as a principle, as an ethical principle. So it's, it's something that uh, every company should, uh, should apply, sh should implement and should uh, embrace good corporate governance practices. Um, and investors, uh, through engagement, um, see, um, see uh, every company's approach, uh, a concrete approach to the best practices. Uh, another important aspect, is, maybe you have not talked too much about, is disclosure. Um, and again, companies uh, that will need to, to, to implement these uh, obligations, call, uh, call them like that, um, will need to, to be transparent, not only about what uh, they comply with, what are the procedures, but also how, and how do they, how do they comply with that uh, on, from a long-term perspective, not just um, from a retrospective perspective or from a present short-term perspective, but from a long-term perspective. Investors want to see that. What will you do next? So as mentioned previously, um, it should be seen uh, not as an obligation, but as an opportunity uh, for, for businesses to, to demonstrate um, ethical behavior and a more responsible uh, business conduct. And investors will grasp that immediately. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. And um, finally, Mr. Mr. Maglaras, your 30 seconds uh, thoughts. I would like just to, to thank about the invitation and the participation. I want to remind to everyone that, you know, this year we had the Wirecard incident. Uh, we had Folifoli in Greece. We had Steinhoff in South Africa uh, two years ago, if I remember correctly. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of need for better governance. And uh, again, uh, under the new normal of the ESG flows of capital, I think that uh, the companies, uh, they should comply or they should go private. So uh, that's it for me. I lended my time to Christina and I leave it to you, Natasha, for any questions. Thank you very much um, to all of you. Um, we have actually um, questions from the audience. And the first question is uh, for Mrs. Uh, Lazaraku. But um, any of you who would like to jump in, please feel free to do so. So what is the current rating or ranking um, for Greece, if any, Mrs. Lazaraku, for um, uh, corporate governance? I mean, is there a ranking that Greece is trying to achieve versus uh, you know, other countries? Actually, uh, I'm not aware of the ranking that we have regarding the corporate governance. I know that 
uh, I'm sure that uh, we are we are going to get a better rank after a better ranking after the specific law, but I'm not sure where we're going to be. So let that remains to be seen uh, after the new rankings. Thank you very much. And um, a follow-up question for Mr. Maglaras's uh, comments on on uh, Greek stewardship, if I may. Um, yeah. our, our participants are quite eager to understand how do you engage? Because Christina actually um, described her, her view as um, a global investor. Um, do you have a voting policy that you um, right now implement? Could you give us a little bit more color of following the new law? What would be your intentions in terms of engage engagement? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Natasha. Uh, the truth is that, yes, uh, we are obliged now uh, to have a voting policy and we will communicate that to all issuers. Uh, as uh, Christina mentioned, all the steps, there will be uh, gradual communication and uh, if there is a need to, to raise any issues. We, we have already done that in the past uh, uh, with all, uh, let's say, listed uh, issues that we at least we are invested in or they, they are in our invested universe. So uh, I think uh, one or two days before we discussed uh, also together that there are examples in uh, several cases regarding the ESG and uh, and specific uh, issues. Uh, I could point that even today there, there was on the press a potential uh, equity issue uh, that uh, could take place in a bank or in another listed company that took place a month ago. And uh, we monitor all these things to see if uh, we have equal treatment in shareholders. Uh, we have already addressed questionnaires uh, from uh, January of uh, this year, uh, and uh, we will continue to do so. So there is a company, there are companies in Greece, and there is, let's say, a handbook uh, of uh, ESG guidelines, and uh, there is a process to it. Okay, I mean, uh, the, 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 the investment process has already been integrated and there is the ESG investment process, so we will follow that. Thank you, um, Mr. Mr. Maglaras. Um, I have one more question for Mrs. Lazaraku uh, coming from, from the audience. Obviously, Christina discussed the, the quota rationale for, for Italy, um, but if you could just um, briefly um, tell us uh, what was um, the Commission's rationale for, for implementing the the gender quota here, please. Thank you. Uh, we believe that uh, we are, have to be more, we have to work more in European standards where we see that more women are in boards. And because here we, do, we did have a law that did not really provide anything about women. I know that there were a lot of discussions regarding whether women should be whether we should have a quota like that, whether it should be in, as in a way of an obligation to have a gender-based, let's say, provision. However, we decided that it is the time for Greece to do this step and uh, to take this step and try to uh, provide this in the law, because until now there was a very 
small uh, presentation, representation of women in Bosnia, like 11% or something like that. And we believe that this is, let's say, the time in order to have something which could give uh, equal opportunities to women to uh, be to participate in boards in a sense that we believe that this really uh, helps meritocracy and helps uh, the uh, in, in reality helps the women to have same equal opportunities with men because in Greece the women women did not really have equal opportunities as far as both representation is concerned that was the reason okay. for uh, for recommending this to be uh, providing in the law and not only just a recommendation to be taken uh, as a soft law, let's say, uh, provision. Or as a pledge, which could very well be a pledge from the company side. Um, and I have one uh, final question for, for Christina, please. Um, Christina, based on, on your experience engaging with the foreign companies, obviously this is a law addressed to the to the Greek listed companies, what would you think would be the most pressing issue when facing, uh, you know, their, um, the, the, co the corporate governance challenges? What would you see as the most pressing issue for them to address? If, if we are referring to the law, I would say is, um, is the outcome rather than output. So, um, I, I imagine and I, I, uh, I'm sure that uh, most Greek companies will align with the new law and looking at board composition, uh, there will be a lot of efforts and it's not easy uh, within a year or, or so to, 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 to have the best, the most fit and proper um, as, as Europe likes to, to call them composition of the board. But uh, I think the most pressuring um, um, issue will be aspects um, and what investors will want to, to discuss is the board effectiveness as the, and the implementation of their strategy, the implementation, how, how do they function, how effective are they um, apart from, from just the composition element. So uh, it will go a next step and I would um, um, I would tell companies that uh, this question will start arising or already from the first year. So why did you choose these uh, component, these members within the board? What is your strategy? How, how is your governance aligned with your business plan, which is certainly long-term, uh, has a long-term perspective because as we know, industrial business plans have three, five years, some 10 years um, horizon. So the pressure is will be on the implementation of policies and the um, effectiveness of the board, um, which which investors will will want to understand better, um, because the composition will certainly uh, align with, with the code with the law requirements. So it will be a further uh, investigation on 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 their actual um, performance. Thank you, thank you for the question. Thank you, Christina. Um, at this stage, I would like uh, to thank all participants, um, Mrs. Lazaraku, Christina, thank you very much for joining us uh, from, uh, from Italy, Mr. Kosmopoulos, Mr. Maglaras, uh, I would like to, to thank the audience very much for this very uh, interesting participation. Uh, on my side, it has been a very big honor to host this panel and exchange our views on the new law. Um, we'd be delighted to be back and discuss how the, the law has progressed in a, in a few years. 
Um, I would uh, like now to pass the floor to Mr. Bonosis uh, for his um, closing comments. Thank you. Well, I would like to thank you all for uh, really uh, a great discussion. Uh, not only very insightful, but also extremely well prepared. I thank you very much for uh, the slides that you shared, the points that you made. Uh, and of course, we, we had with us uh, a very uh, distinguished uh, group of panelists, uh, starting with Mrs. Uh, Lazaraku, Christina, Alexandros, Maglaras and Alexandros Cosmopoulos, uh, and of course with Natasha. Thank you very much. As you can see from um, the level of interest, we exceeded the one hour by actually 20 minutes. Uh, I think that uh, indicates the level of interest and also the quality of the content that you put out uh, with people responding and asking questions. So thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to uh, our next webinar and actually I look forward to our conference uh, in, that will take place not in New York this time, even though my background shows New York, it will take place online on December 15, 16. Uh, I look forward to having you all with us. And again, thank you so much for uh, sharing your views today. By the way, this webinar will be available on demand uh, at capitaling.com for anyone to come back. And uh, I mean, we're creating a library of information for people to access over time. And thank you for contributing uh, with your insight and, uh, and comments. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much.